Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is the EWN Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered how some people make eating healthy, exercise, and managing stress look so easy? You can too. Welcome to Wellness Wisdom, where we uncover the secrets to lasting health and happiness and empower you to make wise health choices, see results, and create a healthy lifestyle for good. Join Camille Kennard, licensed social worker, certified health and wellness coach, a self-care specialist on the journey to explore how to make health and well-being possible for you. It's a health and wellness journey you can take together. Please welcome your host, Camille Kennard. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Wellness Wisdom today, this beautiful August day. I love the month of August with the sunshine, and it makes me think about things that make me happy and creating more happiness in my life. As you know, this month, we've really been focusing on the how of happiness. How do we create more happiness in our lives? And also, how do we recognize the things that are happening in our life that are good to feel more happiness? And I'm really excited today because I have a good friend of mine, Tony McGillan, that's here with us. Tony and I met about a year ago now. I guess it's been about a year. Tony in a mastermind group. Um, and over the time that I've gotten to know her, I've really learned a lot about Tony and her passion for really helping other people who are going through something similar to what she's gone through and how she's able to help people transform their lives, look at their situation in a different way, and just really help them get clarity on what kind of life they want to have. Um, I know she's been a support to me and helped me with that, really getting clear and being able to kind of challenge some beliefs and support those that she helps. She's a great friend, and I really appreciate the coaching that she's given me. Um, I just want to share with you a couple of credentials that, that she has. Um, she graduated magna cum laude with a bachelor's in engineering, and later on she was introduced to life coaching, and that's when she discovered her life's calling. So then she decided to become professionally certified as an ICF PCC credentialed coach which is through the International Coach Federation. Uh, it's a global organization that's kind of the gold bar standard for credibility in the coaching industry. And Tony was recently recognized in the 2017 ICF Chair Award along with other credentialed coaches at ICF. So that's exciting. Um, as well as being a coach, Tony is a certified healing practitioner. She studied as an apprentice to the creator and inventor of the quantum healing modality pronounced serve, which is designed to facilitate the clearing of blockages at the cellular level. She has valuable experience in spiritual discipline and transformational healing arts, which we may hear a little bit about that. Um, she's an author and speaker in service to leaders who are interested in powerfully overcoming what she refers to as a category, category five storm in life. We all go through those hard storms. Some of those storms might be leaving a career, losing a loved one, facing a combative divorce, an incurable illness, and many more things. But Tony helps us understand how to overcome a cat Category 5 storm of life. And Tony's going to join us this month to tell us a little bit about her story and about her book. Her book is called In the Meantime, 
which can be found on Amazon, and it's a care guide for anyone who's facing a combative divorce. Tony's successfully faced and overcame her own combative divorce, which she describes as a David versus Goliath type of divorce, and she made a promise to show others the way forward with hope and inspiration, and that she told people that even after having this type of a storm, we can reclaim our true self and create a new future that's worth living. Um, she'll be introducing us today to what she refers to as the four lighthouses. These are lighthouses um, are, are what it takes to recover, rebuild, and reclaim our true joy after traveling through a Category 5 storm. So I love that, reclaiming our joy, recovering what was lost. Um, and Tony also has an upcoming webinar, which I'm sure she'll tell you about. It's called Reclaiming Your True Self. And that will be an opportunity for all the listeners today to dive into the four lighthouses that she talks about. Um, so anyways, uh, welcome today, Tony, and I'm so glad to have you here. Um, Tony, I would love for you to talk to us a little bit. I know some of the focus of your business has been on helping people who've gone through a combative divorce or divorce that was very difficult. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey and kind of what started you in your journey to start this business to help people? Absolutely. I, when I first started my business, I actually had been certified as an ICF financial coach. And I continue to do that work. Um, but what happened in uh, my own life is at the age of 36, I found myself facing unnecessary divorce. And I'm not an advocate divorce or divorce, I'm sorry. Um, but I took four years to save the marriage. And it turned out after that time, it was not going to happen. And I consider myself a very well-educated uh, woman, if you will. And what ended up happening is I found myself in a trap that I did not know could exist. And so inside of that, um, just to give a quick example, when my first husband and I were married, we both came into the relationship on the same footing. I was um, a successful engineer and he was in finance. And so when we married, we were similar income, no debt, and everything we built together, we built in our marriage together. And when it came to the divorce, what ended up happening is overnight, I was able to be cut out of all marital assets. And that was not something that I thought could be done. Um, it was not something I thought could be legal. And what most of us don't know, because divorce is not something people look forward to, it's not something yeah. they for, um, is that banking and legal and insurance industries do have regulations that they follow that are not necessarily in the best interest of the joint custodian. So just a quick example, in my case, because of the time that we had our children and we were going through the divorce, um, and it was agreed upon that I left the field of engineering and raised our kids, that when it came to the divorce, the primary income was his, and he was able to go to his uh, employer and change all of the direct deposits to another account. He was able to, um, I'm going to call it like snare me, if you will. There's people I'm just going to say that could misbehave. So I trusted him, and the misbehavior was such that he was able to go to the banking joint accounts that we had, and because he was the primary on the account, he was able to put a passcode on those accounts. Mm. I did not have access to any of it. Mm. As he was already diverting funds, I also didn't have access to any cash flow. So I was really at the helm of divorcing him on his own terms. 
And when I realized that here I am an intelligent woman and I did not think this was legal, um, that you could do these things. And from the legal standpoint, so that's in the banking standpoint, but from the legal standpoint, um, in order, at least in the jurisdiction we live in at the time, you have to be separated for six months in separate households. So imagine if you don't have access to income, you don't have access to marital assets, how are you going to find a separate residence to separate? Mm. So then six months later, you're divorcing. So you have to come up with six months to be able to take care of yourself, six months of separate living. And then to hire mm. an attorney takes 25000 just to retain an attorney in this area. So what I was bumping up against was, yes, it's illegal, but to have my day in court, that's going to be a year down the road and I have no means to get there. So it was truly combative in the sense that you are going to have to deal with me on my terms. And what I want is going to be how it's going to go. You can leave. You can leave with nothing. So that was the premise. And in the middle of that, I literally said a prayer to God because I couldn't see a way out. And I just reached up and said, if you give me the courage and the way out, because I can't see any way out of this, my promise to you is I'm going to show others the way that it can be done. And that yeah. um, even in these dire circumstances. And so fast forward, um, it took two and a half years in the legal system to get it done. Of course, prior to deciding to divorce, there's also the years of trying to, you know, co co-create what that's going to look like. And um, now the divorce is final. It's been over nine years, almost nine years it's been done. I'm happily remarried to the love of my life. We've been seven years married. The divorce itself, we were able to get joint custody, uh, joint custody both legally and physical. Our boys, um, we have two, went through that. Um, and I feel like the message and the legacy that I have to offer is not only can it be done, but I would like to show others not to, to be snapped or sorry, not to be trapped and ensnared in the way that I was yeah. so that you can avoid it. Um, so that's best. That's the best way I could put it. Yeah. And I think that's natural for someone when they're in a situation where they're being controlled or manipulated or told they have to do certain things to feel that feeling of, trapped I can't do anything there's no way out it's almost like a hopeless what, can you tell us a little bit of what you went through emotionally at that time what was that like for you emotionally to have you know feeling like everything was kept from you I mean your financial situation and yes the um it was in the best emotional way I could describe it is hopelessness and despair mm. it was sheer hopelessness and despair and it was such a level of betrayal because I had spent 10 years. Um, we had just had our 10 year wedding anniversary when the divorce needed to happen. And so we'd been married 10 years and I'd given my love and my life to this person and I trusted him wholeheartedly. And the, the premise of the divorce was that it was going to be amicable. He made promises to me that it would be amicable. Mm. That did is it's, and I knew that there was a chance it might not be, but I also had to trust for the sake of my children to do everything on my part in the best interest of that it could be as amicable as possible. And that was my belief system. So the weapon used against me became my amicability. He was mm. in way 
and reset the stage for his parenting so that by the time we got to litigation, he had delayed for over a year that he was able to reset the stage of what he was as a parent. And so the whole, I'm going to call it a game that he played, Mm -hmm. was so calculated and it was a violation of the process that we were in. But emotionally, I was just devastated. I couldn't believe that in this time and age, I mean, this was in 2007 is when the divorce began. I would say in the court system, it began in 2008, and it wasn't done until the beginning of 2010. So how can we be living in 2010 and have one partner completely dismiss, uh, disregard, discredit the other. And so the other side of that um, emotionally was that there was also during that time, not only do you feel like the biggest hopelessness and despair of how you're facing the biggest battle of your life by somebody you thought believed and loved you, but you're also dealing with the fact that things are actually happening that you think could never happen. Yeah. um, The unsettledness of what actually could happen because now you don't have any sense of what could actually happen. You think anything can happen because they're actually getting away with stuff that should not be happening. So um, one other emotion that showed up was how important it is for women, especially. And I just, I'm just saying women, there have been men that I've met that have also been in this situation. So it's not only women, but I would say there's majority it's the women. Um, that end up in this situation and to speak up to use your voice to um, in my case one just a simple example when we were in the collaborative divorce process the legal team that represented me was supposed to be paid and they were supposed to be paid out of marital assets and time and time again over three months he did not pay their bills and so by the time he got to third month my team is under my credit. So if they don't get paid, my credit is going to be ruined. Mm. The only two things I had access at that time that were still marital was we had a joint brokerage account and we had a joint credit card. So he set the stage that the only way I could actually pay my attorneys and not ruin my credit was to use those two things because that's all I had access to. So one I used for $4,000-ish and the other one I used for about $4,500-ish to pay off their the debt so that I didn't go to collections and then he used that action as see she's not responsible with how she uses our marital assets and so then he completely cut off everything Mm. also the trip of you're doing the very action you need to do to protect yourself and that action then becomes their next weapon of Mm. action so that emotional cycle is so um manipulative and controlling and you just have to start to get one of the things that I teach women is they're going to do it regardless of what you do and you think that the more you don't take the actions to protect yourself and that you continue to do things that aren't necessarily in your best interest are going to alleviate their behavior but what I'm here to, to help educate and bring light to is the misbehavior that was in the marriage, which is why this became a necessary divorce, is going to be the same misbehavior that you're going to get. Keeps going. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the same misbehavior that I've had as a co-parent. 
for the last seven years since the divorce. Mm. So the, the behavior doesn't change. So what we need to look at is how can we reconcile ourselves and reclaim our true self and mm. who we are. So that yeah. our life can continue. I love what you're talking about because as, as you're talking, you know, I think a lot of people, we go into marriage and we think, oh, this is, you know, this is wonderful. We're going to be in this together. We're going to have our finances together and we're going to do everything together, parenting together when it comes to something like this and, and kind of some of the emotions that you've talked about, which is betrayal, rejection, grief and loss, despair, you know, a lot of those feelings that seem like they're the antithesis of joy and happiness and what marriage, you know, we see on the movies, it's all about. Out, right and and I, I love thank you so much for sharing your story because I know there are so many people out there who can relate to this who've been through something difficult who felt like they were blindsided by this person's behavior and I like that you call it a misbehavior right where they're doing things to intentionally hurt you or stop you or that kind of a thing um, and so as you're talking about this and thank you so much for sharing your story because I think it's something people can really relate to. It made me think about, you know, feeling trapped, but also how you inside of it were able to say, okay, God, give me a, a pathway, give me an opening to feel some hope. Can you talk a little bit about that, that transition for you of when you started to, he's still the same person, this, this other, this guy that you were married to, right? He's still the same person. His personality has not changed, but what changed in you that helped you to feel more hope, see more light, feel, you know, just feel good about your life. Cause I think so many people, when they're going through a bad of divorce, they're just trapped in these emotions. Um, and, and for a while you have to go through that, right? It's the grief and loss process. But how did you get to see that little glimmer of light that things could improve for you? Yes. So, okay, first of all, that's a great question. And I have multiple thoughts about it. The first thing that comes to mind is I didn't know that it would be possible. So let me mm. say that. When I, when I said my prayer, it was going to be a miracle because of the experiences I had ever seen where somebody was being so, um, I'm just going to call it combative at this point. I, I often saw the end result being that person either gives everything up because they, they don't have time and energy to give to it. And yeah. Just have to let go and not stand for what they need to be standing for, or they stand so hard and they fight so hard that they become bitter. So they yeah. with what they need, but then they're so bitter in life. And so my aim, my target, the first thing I had was I dared to believe, I had never seen it done, but I dared to believe that if I could fight and heal at the same time, if I could stand for what was necessary for the best interest of my children and myself, and even my other, even though he was misbehaving, if I could stand for the best interest for all of us and heal at the same time, then I was willing to do it, whatever it took. Mm. So that was number one is creating the vision of possibility. The thing that kept my hope, and let me be very honest, hope was not with me every day. There was, um, um, hope was gone and despair was very present. And the way I name it in the book is, I call it darkness. And so the best way I could describe it is when darkness is upon you, it is very easy to succumb to the darkness and the darkness has, I'm going to call it a mental conversation with you. Yeah. Mental conversation looks like you might as well just stop now. 
you might as well just give in now. Mm-hmm. Continue on this journey is too painful. It's too much. You don't have what you need. You know it's going to end. So you might as well just go ahead and call it now. That is the conversation of darkness. Mm. Let it be. If you can let that conversation happen, but do your best not to listen to it. Do your best to name it out loud. And this is the second thing. So what else happened? I had at that point of marriage, I had been in 10 years of my own development of coach training. And had it not been for those 10 years, I would have probably had to hire a coach to be able to do the, what, the work that I did. But because I'd had 10 years of coach training, I was able to do it. I was able to use the tools that I had already practiced and had already given to me. And I think of it like running a marathon. You can't just wake up and decide today I'm going to go run that, that marathon today. Yeah. Time. But over time with my coaching tools and with the coaches that mentored me, I had created a toolkit. I had created new ways of seeing things. I had created ability to see something separate from myself so I didn't take it so personally. And all of that training and practice came to fruition in this scenario. I had to use everything that I was given to stay steady and it took something. So I don't want to discount that I had to do the work, but I had the tools to do the work. So when the psychological warfare was upon me and when the manipulation was upon me and when it was just dire straits, I had the resilience to build and stay steady when most people would just stop or run or freeze. Mm. I love that you talked about resilience because I feel like when we're talking about creating happiness in our lives, we're all going to suffer. We're all going to go through things that push us to our limits. And so recognizing that resilience and that you can, and that you can bounce back from things, I think is really important. Um, I love that you said, you know, really what your mental status, what you were telling yourself, you know, and that's a big thing that I focus on with my clients is whatever we feed grows. So if I feed despair and negativity and, and yes, you want to do that because you feel justified, right? This was wrong what they did, but it actually ends up hurting you when you're feeding that negativity, when you're feeding that despair. So I love that you were able to say that's darkness. That's not what I want in me. I want something different and that you had to practice a different way to see things, right? So things didn't, you didn't take things personal. In my years as a clinical social worker, I have, there's so many people that I have done marriage counseling. I've done all different kinds of counseling. And I've noticed when people are going through these kinds of divorces that they really start saying it's my fault or I did something wrong or I should have seen something different. Um, and they start really blaming themselves. So I love that idea of looking at it a little more objectively where you're like, I'm not going to be offended by what they do. I'm just going to do what I need to do to keep myself safe. Right. Kind of a thing. I love that. Can I add two things? Yeah. Mind? Um, one thing that came to my mind when you were saying that was you do need to have a place to let that energy out though. So yeah. just having the thoughts and you're recognizing it's darkness. I would say it's important to find safe places to whether it's that you write a letter and you write everything out negative that you need to say that feels the, I mean, that feels right to say because of how you're being mistreated and get it out. Like whether it's a pillow, whether it's you're in your house completely by yourself, but let your body 
speak it out loud. Release that. Mm -hmm. You need to release it somewhere. Um, if you don't do that, it's going to come out somewhere. Mm -hmm. It's going to come out somewhere that you're not going to want it to come out. So I find also creating a practice of getting what needs to be said with your voice that might, I'm going to say might seem negative or might seem harmful or might seem bitchy. I don't care what word you call it. Get it out and get it out somewhere that's safe and that you mm -hmm. actually, and you're going to feel silly. You're going to be doing it and you might feel like, this is so stupid. Why am I doing this? Nobody's here. Like, Scream into your pillow or write it all out and burn it or whatever. <laughs> yeah. 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 So there's, there is an expressiveness. Yeah. That's important. Practice um, to let it out. So it's not in you. Mm -hmm. That I would say is it did take something to get my voice back because um, you have been in a marriage. Like in my case, it was 10 years. So I use the analogy of a frog in boiling water. You know, the temperature didn't get that high overnight. Yeah. It was over time. And so just like you being able to reclaim your true self, it's going to take some time. And part of it is you've been so lured by the, the conversations that they've had that they've sold you on that are not necessarily your truth, but you know them and they've become part of your truth you have to start to figure out how to shake those off and yeah. your own true self. So that's part of what I help and what I coach others. And how do you do that? Yeah. I love that, that you have to kind of vent the dark side of things and be able to bring in something new, something better. Right. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story. I think it's really, it's amazing um, what you've been through and to see where you're at now in your life and that you're able to help other people that are going through this. Um, I know um, we're going to just take a quick great break, but you wrote this amazing book, which I've read and I've gave to, I've given to many people who are going through a divorce or have been through a divorce or even just really combative relationships. Maybe they're dating. Um, this is Tony's book, everybody. It's called In the Meantime, if you can see it by Tony McGillan. And I would love when we get back from the break for you to kind of talk to us a little bit about some of the myths that you've noticed um, you struggled with and other people going through a combative divorce kind of struggle with, if you wouldn't mind doing that. Calling all speakers. E-Women Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Welcome back, everybody, to Wellness Wisdom. Today, we have Tony McGillan, who is a life coach. She's amazing. She has written a book. It's called In the Meantime. And this book is a guide. It's a spiritual guide for people as well as an emotional guide and just practical guide of how do you get through a divorce where the other person is making it difficult. They're doing everything they can to stop you from getting what you want and what you need and to progress. So um, this is Tony's book. And Tony, before the break, we talked a little bit you know, about your journey, what you went through, how you were able to kind of change your perception on things. Um, and you in the book talk a lot about these 12 myths that women or people going through combative divorce kind of that they tell themselves. Can you talk a little bit about what you've noticed from that with people going through a combative divorce? Absolutely. I noticed 
basically what was happening at the time, and this was, again, going back to I made a promise to God to show others the way. So what I didn't know is it was going to become a book. And, but what I did know is as I was in mine, there were 15 women about that were in my life that were going through the same type of divorce. And so I, number one, didn't understand that there were more divorces like this out there. Um, and number two, it's a silent epidemic that's happening right now. And I would say it's in many more neighborhoods than people even understand. Yeah. I was meeting with these women and they were asking me, Tony, what are you doing? Because whatever it is you're doing, I want to learn how to do that for myself. Um, I need to learn how to do that for myself. And there was just one of me. So I was like, listen, I got to get through my own. I can't, I wish I could help you. But what started to happen is I started to see these themes. And that's what I call the myths. So just like being a person in life, just like we each have our own little gift that God has given us and we're going to go out into the world and be ourselves. Each one of us has a different road. And in divorce, each one of us has a different divorce. And each one of us has different values. And each one of us has different things that we can live with or not. So it wasn't going to be me just telling you how I did it and this is what I did and this is what you should do. Mm -hmm. that's going to serve anybody truly except me because it was my divorce um but I wanted to capture what would help as a compass so if I was going to go climb Mount Everest and I know each path is different and each person climbing is going to be different what can I give them that's going to help them get to the top of their own mountain whatever they say that is for them. Mm. To me, that's what the myths became. So I think of it as a compass, which is why on the front of the cover, you're going to see a timepiece that has the compass. <laughs> compass right there. Yep. And that it's going to take time. Mm. So to me, the myths are that. So one of the most common myths that I think is um, completely understandable is that once you get to the divorce, it's going to get better because you're going to have experts with you. And the experts are going to be able to help. And I love the thought of that. Um, but I want to also say that even though sometimes that might actually take place, when you're dealing with somebody who's a misbehavior personality, it actually is the opposite. Because the whole design of the marriage and the reason the marriage didn't work is because of your inability to speak up on your behalf and your inability to be respected. And so that same scenario comes into now you've got experts involved, but the experts to give them a fair benefit. They don't know who's telling the truth. Mm. They don't know who's lying. Yeah. One quick example for me was um, at the time, there was a statement in one of our meetings with our professional team that said that my then husband would get up with our children in the morning. And what I didn't understand was, Technically, yes, he would wake up, he would go get them, he would put them down in front of the TV, and then he would go into a shower. And I would then get up and go take care of the rest of it. I would get them dressed, I would get them fed, I would take care of everything. But when somebody says that they're the ones who get up with the children in the morning, the, the team thought that meant he was the actual caregiver of the morning routine. And I didn't have the capacity to say, let me explain what that means. If you were in our house, you would physically go get the children from their bed, put them in front of a TV, and go get in the shower. That's what he means by getting up with them. And because I didn't do that, 
there's an assumption that he was the primary parent of the morning routine. Mm. And I had no idea that even my legal team heard it that way. So if you have a myth where you think because the experts are now involved, you're going to be able to, things are going to get clear. They're going to see him for who he is or her for who she is if it's the other side. No, not unless you have the courage to speak up and to say what needs to be said because you're the only one who was there. And if they're saying it and you're not saying it, and again, this might be because you think it's unfair or you don't want to throw them under the bus. Once they decide to misbehave and engage and fight, if you don't step in to fight, if you don't step in to the same measure that they are stepping in, you're the one that is not bringing fairness. You're the one that is not bringing equal footing. Mm. The hardest thing for women and those of us who are very giving and healing to understand that we have to become a warrior in a way that we are very uncomfortable doing yeah. for justice and the highest and best interest to be served. Yeah. What I was noticing as I read the book and was looking at the different myths um, is that a lot of times, and this can go with whether it's a divorce or just looking at relationship th- issues, is that we're a lot of times as women saying, what could I have done better? What did I do wrong? And I know a lot of the clients that I've had before have said, you know, what did I not see? Or why did I not notice that this was happening? Why didn't I see those red flags? Um, And just kind of making it to where they're blaming themselves for it. And I love what you're saying, which is just being really assertive and clear on where you stand and, and standing in your own power. And I think that can be hard for us to do because then we feel like we might be hurting someone else. But really, it's what you have to do in this kind of a situation is stand up for yourself. Yeah. Right? um, Just like what they do on the airplanes when they say put the mask on yourself. Yeah. When you're in this situation, the illusion is that this person has been doing, this other person has been doing this for so long and you've not been able to overcome it or deal with it, which is why you're now in a divorce anyways, that you think the illusion is that you're not going to find your footing, that you're not going to be able to raise to rise to the occasion. And it's a believable truth. Like I, I'm a swim coach, right? So I think of the analogy of thinking of little human beings who don't know how to swim. If you put them into a pool, it looks like it's not possible for them to ever learn how to swim. Just like this, if you've never had to negotiate, if you've never had to stand up for yourself, if you've never had to actually capture facts and keep track of stuff over time, because we're so loving and giving, we just kind of forgive and forget. Mm -hmm. We're not able to think that there's any way you're going to learn how to swim. You're going to think it's impossible for you. Yeah. Against somebody who is, especially in an industry, that they're getting paid to do this every day. So what you have to remember, just like the little swimmer, is, yeah, you're not going to be good at it at all at first. Not at all. You're going to fail more than you're going to even have a moment that you felt like, okay, that was kind of decent. But if you're willing to continue to fail and just continue to show up, and the more you practice it, you actually get better each time, and you do get there. And you get there much faster than you ever thought possible. And the most common question I ask of ones who've been in the situation is I say, how long did you give them 
before you decided to divorce for them to change. Mm. And they usually have a time frame. They usually will give me, in my case, it was four years, which I would say, honestly, was too long. It's too long. You mm. A better frame of reference. Um, but whatever that time is, don't you dare not give yourself that same amount of time. Don't you dare is my commitment to my clients. There's no reason this is going to take time anyways. You're going to be on this journey for two years probably anyways. So don't you dare not give yourself the same time to recover because mm. you can, and I'll show you and I'll help you, but you're going to have to do the work. Yeah, it is possible. Well, and it's a traumatic experience. So when you were talking about, you know, giving yourself that time to recover, it makes me think about, you know, any traumatic experience or things that we've been through that we have to give ourselves that compassion and that care, you know, that, that this, is a, this is a difficult situation. And for you to be able to um, be assertive and stand up for yourself and recognize you can be a compassionate, caring person, but also stand up for what what's going to work and, and be right for you, for your, your children, for the long term, all of that kind of stuff. And, and these are complicated situations, you know, that people are in and so complex and there's not any easy answer, but it's, I love the idea that people can have hope that things can improve for them, right? And that they can have skills to know what to do when the person, the other might act in a certain way or do something or twist the truth or, you know, do those things that, that, that come up. Um, I think that it's really important for people to know that they can have tools. And that's what I feel like your book does. It gives people, you know, some of those tools to say, okay, this is what I can do in this situation, you know, and it gives them some ideas of where to go because I think people feel very hopeless. You know, they feel like, what can I do? Where can I go to get support and help? Um, and there's so many different aspects of it, right, that, that they go through. Um, I know in your, what you're doing right now, you're really helping people look at things differently, transform their lives. Um, and I know, as you and I have talked, there's kind of this, the four, four guideposts that you have are the four, I think they're like the lighthouses right along the way that people can look to, to kind of, um, to see their progress in working through their own emotional, mental stuff that's going on. Can you talk a little bit about that? I, I know we talked a little bit about the trust issue and I feel like that's one of the big ones is that people don't trust themselves anymore because they, they feel like they made this mistake of, of marrying this person that maybe wasn't a good, a good match for them. Right. So can you talk a little bit about that? I would love to. So the, I do. I call them the four, the four lighthouses. And you can think of them as a lighthouse. You can think of them, since we talked about the category five storm of life, um, the divorce is one of them. You know, it could be an incurable illness. That's one of them. It could be losing a job. There's so many different things that can come up that would have you need to get back to your true self after such a storm. And so I call them lighthouses. And one of the when I think of the elements, I think of like air, fire, earth, and water. That's kind of how I think of these. So the mm. are trust. And to your point, how do we reclaim our trust of ourselves? How do we rebuild trust? And I'm not talking about the blind trust of little ones that are completely innocent. And there's just um, a true belief of trust. I'm talking about how do you rebuild with enough 
um, time and effort, your own ability to discern people and who are trustworthy and who are not. And I don't mean not like ever. I just mean you start to get resilient and discernment around what areas you can trust and which people you can trust. So one of them is trust. One of them is balance. I think in today's day and age, there's a lot of us that understand balance, but we don't know how to practice it. It's not been something that we've necessarily been educated in our school system to be able to do. Yeah. Um, in fact, one of the thoughts I have about balance is it's the thing that allows for sustainability. So if, if you are finding that you're not sustaining your energy level, you're not sustaining your work-life balance, you're not sustaining the um, parenting that you have to do for your children, chances are there's something about your balance that needs to be tended to. Mm. Um, another, I'm going to call it lighthouse, that I talk about is movement. And what I mean by movement is I mean not only your body. We are, we are living beings. We are nature. Yeah. We move physically. But I'm also talking about movement in the sense of, like, when I think of the divorce, um, sometimes the movement was so slow, and I wanted it done. I wanted to get this done. I wanted to get this beyond this. And mm. there's times of movement as a, as a lighthouse. There's times that you need to brighten and move faster than you feel comfortable. You need to learn how to swim, and you think you don't know how to swim. And there's times that movement is actually you need to slow it down. You need to take some time, and you want it to be done, and it's not going to be done for a while. So that's what I mean by movement. Um, and then the last lighthouse, the fourth one, is the ability to breathe. And this is both. This is in your body being able to actually breathe. Yeah. So in your bandwidth of all of life's things that are on your plate, how much are you able to breathe with the plate that you have full? Mm. Some things might need to be, there might need to be boundaries that are set in place so that your breathability can actually expand and your bandwidth mm. can actually expand. Um, so those are the four lighthouses. Um, and as I was creating them, what, what came to mind is most of us have three probably that we focus on and we don't recognize that there's a fourth one at play. And I was thinking of when I was little growing up, I was, my degree was in engineering and I was very good at studying and I was a very good student. And I remember thinking achievement, achievement. If, if I had the name of the thing I was after, it was that. And to me, it meant freedom. If I achieved what I wanted to achieve, what was on the other side of that to me was my, my true freedom. And as I was looking through these four lighthouses, what I realized is achievement is when you've got trust, when you've got your breath, and when you've got movement happening, but when you're out of balance. Mm. And I thought that was phenomenal. Mm. Because, and I don't mean that you can't have achievements that are in balance. I don't mean that. But what I mean is you can still achieve high recognition and high rewards, and you don't have to have balance to do it. And that's what I mean by where these four, if you think of the four lighthouses shining their light together, that centerpiece when all of the lights are actually beaming is what I'm going to call your true self. Your truth shows up when the four lighthouses have all come together. Mm. 
And so I look with each individual where they are in these, where each of their light is and what do we need to do and practice in each of these to raise their ability to get to that true self again. I, that's really powerful because when you think about going through this, feeling trapped and in despair and all of that, you really feel like you don't know who you are anymore or you're confused or you felt like someone else has been telling you what to do and how to do things. And so I love that idea of there's these lighthouses that, that shine the light to you and you can go from one to the next one in, in finding your true self, in finding who you are, in setting boundaries, in self-care. You know, as you're talking about that, that's a lot of what I teach you know, just loving yourself, moving your body, breathing slowly, you know, just those things that help you feel more alive and connect to your inner being of who you are, which has maybe been lost for a while amidst all this chaos, right? So I love that. I think that's super powerful. We're going to take another little quick break. Um, but when we come back, I would love for you to just share with us a couple of tips that you have for people. I call them words of wisdom that you have for maybe someone that right now is going through a divorce like this just to help them know where to turn and what to do. Just maybe three tips that they can try out. Have you ever had one of those days when you feel like you can't keep doing it all? When you feel like the demands of work, family, and life are just too much? Are you trying to make others happy, but you are miserable? Do you feel like your brain is constantly in a fog? Do you worry all the time and can't shut your brain off? Do you wish you had more time for yourself? Do you want to find more stillness and quiet your mind? Many women feel overwhelmed and stressed with the demands of family, work, and other responsibilities. It can literally push them over the edge. What if you could have a weekend away to dedicate to you, to your well-being and self-care, to eat healthy food, practice invigorating yoga, get calming massages, and spend time in quiet meditation with nature. This September 13th through 15th, join Flourish Wellness for our Mindfulness in the Mountains Wellness Retreat in the beautiful mountains of Eden, Utah. Learn to quiet the mind and to listen to your body and fill your soul with self-love and acceptance. Register now, space is limited. To check out the cabin and accommodations and to register, Go to flourishwellnessconsulting.com under live events or email Camille at flourishwellnessconsulting.com. This fall, make yourself a priority and learn to make peace with your body and like who you are for good. Welcome back, everybody, to Wellness Wisdom. We're talking about going through a combative divorce and how difficult that be, but can be, but also to find hope through it. And I'm talking to Tony McGillan. She's the author of In the Meantime, and it's an amazing book that has a lot of good practical advice for people who are going through a difficult combative divorce. And Tony, before the break, we talked a little bit about um, you you know, your lighthouses, the way you help people find who they truly are again, because it feels like they're lost for a while from their true self. If you, if you knew someone or, or just the listeners that are out there, how could you, what tips would you give to us to kind of start working through some of the, the angst and the emotional stuff that they're going through? What, what tips do you have for them? Sure. The, The first one that comes to mind, um, and it's bad news, I'm sorry to say, but it is, it's true. It's the fact that they're not going to change. This misbehavior that was in the marriage and that's in the divorce is going to continue. Um, and some people have children 
So it's going to be a part of you as long as you're a part of your children's life. But some people don't have children, and it could still continue. So the tip I have is to recognize that. And, and the thing that I try and use to capture it is I call it an incurable illness. So if, you, if I was diagnosed with, let's say, diabetes, I know that this is an illness that I'm going to have. It doesn't kill me. It won't necessarily kill me but I've got to pay attention to it. I've got to do things to monitor my blood sugar and I've got to make sure I'm on the right medicine and the right diet. And similar to this, this misbehavior is going to continue. And if you think of it as you've got an incurable illness now, you're going to have to pay attention. You're going to have to take actions that are going to protect you and that are going to take care of you just like blood sugar and just like insulin. So that's one tip I have. And some of that's going to be, especially if you're a parent, um, doing your best to, you're not going to be the one putting the children in the middle, potentially, but their misbehavior might do that. So you're going to want to look at how can you take care of you, protect you and your children in a way that is going to be co-parenting with somebody like this. So one example that I give in the book is everything needs to be written. Any communication between the two of parents need to be written. And the reason that is, is because you don't want to leave anything up for misinterpretation. Um, if you have a verbal conversation and then later he denies it, there's no data. There's no actual evidence of that conversation. Um, so I would say something as simple as documenting any conversations that you need to have as parents. There it is. That's one tip I would have. Um, a second thing, which is hard to believe when you're in the middle of it, but it's the actual truth is that you are still the best thing that you have. Mm. You're it. You're the best thing you have and use her or him. Do your best to believe that you can do this and do the work that it takes and have faith. And, and even if it's all I can do today is this, and that's all I can do, then believe that all you can do is enough. Because it is enough. You are still on the path. One of the quotes I put in the book is, sometimes being a warrior is just simply staying on the path. Mm. So you are the best thing you still have. Remember that. That's another tip. And then lastly, I would say, um, this is a silent epidemic. There are many marriages across the land that are going through this type of divorce and there's many women and, and men like I said it's not gender specific but it just happens to be more women that are not the financial um, primary that are, are being shut out and they're suffering in silence and so something I did not do that I would highly recommend is reach out to somebody that you trust and I know that's not going to be easy. Mm -hmm. And you've got to do it in a way that protects yourself. Some of these, some of these uh, people are out to create harm and they're out to create physical harm. So protect yourself. Do what you need to do that's legal. Do what you need to do that is um, use somebody else's phone if you need to. Find a different, um, like in my case, my mother was able to, she had an inheritance for me and I was able to use that as a benefactor to get free. Who are your benefactors? Someone who loves you no matter what. 
And yes, the threat is going to be that this person might harm them. And yes, this person might harm them. But you need to find a place to go and you need to speak up because there are resources and they will come to your aid. And it's not going to be easy. So those are the other things that I would say. Um, don't dismiss the level of threat that it can be. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who are friends of somebody, don't dismiss it as that they're paranoid. Mm. It's look like they're paranoid to you. And if it's truly happening, it is not paranoia. And so for those of you who are of loved ones of these people, listen to them. Take heart. Give them hope. Mm. Give them an avenue. I, get that's so important when someone is going through something that we, I mean, we could, we could talk about it as domestic violence or abuse or different things that people go through is to protect themselves and to reach out for help. And I think as if anyone that's listening to this, if you know someone or you're going through it yourself is to reach out and get support and help. Thank you so much, Tony, for being with us today and, and sharing your expertise and, and your passion. And how can people learn about you? And I know that your book is on Amazon in the meantime, right? If they want to get that and um, get those myths those 12 myths um but what what's the best way for them to reach you and what what is up next for you sure the best way to reach me i would say especially for the book i do have a website um specific for that which is called meantime book so it would be www.meantimebook.com and at that site you have a way to contact me via email there's also a way to i have a video and i have um, an audio recording of an interview as well there's also um, the best way to reach me in terms of what I'm up to next is I'm creating a, both a live and local uh, meetup group so that we can start learning together and having some of these lighthouses shared and practiced. But I'm also going to be creating a webinar to do it for those of you who might not be in my area. If you're interested in, I'm calling it Reclaim Your True Self. And the best way to reach me for that, I would say, is probably just my, my personal email which is Tony, T-O-N-I, underscore, my last name, McGillen, M-C-G-I-L-L-E-N, at AOL.com. And if you're part of this podcast or you've heard this on, then you are more than welcome to uh, name Camille and her business in the email, and you will get a discount of $50 off the webinar. Thank you so much. That's so generous. I love that. Um, thank you so much for being with us today and for sharing everything that you've shared. And people, as everyone, as you're listening to this, I hope that you can recognize that things can improve when you're going through something that's difficult like this, that you can be resilient to a category five storm. Um, and I hope everybody that as you listen to this, you're inspired to do something with your situation and improve your life. Thank you so much, Tony, for joining us today. Everybody, I hope you have a great day and that you can make peace with yourself and love your body. Take care. This is the EWN Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.